Good morning, church. For those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Brian Hughes, and I'm a member of this fine church. And it's my pleasure to serve you this morning by sharing God's word and shedding his light on how he continues to work in our lives today. Heavenly Father, Jesus taught us that you know what we need before we even ask for it. And I lift that need up to you right now. I don't know what these people need individually. I don't even exactly know what I need. But I do know that you're going to provide it. In your time, you are faithful and you always come through. Help your word to change lives, to make people feel better about who they are in you and shed the light in this world. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to tell you, I am very happy to be up here right now. I feel like I'm at the goal line and I'm about to punch it in for the touchdown. Because I got to tell you, it's been a rough week. You know, a lot of pastors, a lot of people that share God's message will tell you that you can get beat up a little bit in the process. A lot of things will come your way and just distract you, attack you. You just don't know what's going to happen. But I made it here because we have a faithful God and he got me up here. And people said, hey, are you ready to speak? Probably not. But he is. And you know, I know in the word that it says that we have to be careful of the arrows that are going to come at us. Our adversary is going to shoot arrows at us, sometimes daily. And if we're not prepared, they're going to sting and they're going to hurt. But I had such a rough week and it didn't say anywhere in the word that I was going to have to dodge this. Dodge this, yeah, hair clippers, my hair clippers. Yeah. i got to share this with you. I found these under my wife's pillow earlier in the week. And after I made her coffee, oh, my darling queen, I just got to ask you, what are my clippers doing underneath your pillow? Well, Brian, i got to tell you, I was going to do you a big favor, and I was going to shave that rat nest off your face. (laughs) What? Say what? Well, I'm going to have you know that I'm not only striving to act like Jesus, I'm striving to look like him too. And she, my loving wife as she is, she goes on to tell me, well, I hate to break the news to you and I do this out of love, but before you sounded like a caveman and now with that beard you look like one too. Oh, wife of mine, she was really burning my tail. Burn, burn. And I said, well, I'll have you know, sweet wife, that it teaches in the word that God used a donkey to speak to people. And she said, dear husband of mine, you're proof that he still does. (laughs) And if that wasn't bad enough, the week continued on, and my agent gave me a call, my speaking agent. And he's also my business manager, and you know him as Pastor Thomas. Yeah. He gave me a call. He said, Brian, I have some bad news for you. It's in regards to the contract that you signed for your speaking engagements at Ohana Christian Church. Really? Uh, what's up? What's the bad news? Well, as I know you're aware, your compensation package is tied in to how many hits your message receives via our website. Found at www.occhawaii.org. Well, no, Thomas, I did not know that. See, Thomas was pretty wise, and he had that contract drawn up in the fine print, and he knows that I need reading glasses. 
I didn't have those when I signed it. And he also knows that I've been, hooked on, I've been through hooked on phonics three times now. And it's not quite sticking. I said, oh, that's, oh I can't believe that. This is, this is a shocker. He says, no, Brian, that's not the bad news. No? What's the bad news? He says, Brian, the bad news is, based on the hits you've received thus far, you owe the church 250 bucks. <laughs> oh, my. So, all kidding aside, this is our website, www.occhawaii.org. I know a lot of people like to take notes, and sometimes you might miss something that's set up here, or you want to recount what was set up here. And you can access that via our website, and you can also share it out there. So how about we use technology to share God's Word and put it out there, because we have enough garbage that's certainly coming at us. Let's share His good message there. Enough joking, I'm not compensated by the church, as you may think. As you may think, I'm not compensated, but I have to tell you, By doing this this morning, I am investing in the greatest 401k program you can invest in. And that 401k plan is up there in heaven. And it pays back a return on investment that cannot be matched here. And it pays dividends that last for eternity. Those that serve up here and sing for us, the same goes for them. For Pastor Thomas, when he's setting up here on Saturday mornings and making sure those chairs are perfectly straight, He's investing in that 401k. Amelda, when she sings up here, when she supports and does what a pastor's wife has to do, she's investing in the kingdom. Whenever you're doing things unto him, you are investing in the only form of investment that really matters. Last week, we closed out on our Easter series as we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And it's my hope that daily, We will celebrate and take joy in the fact that our Savior lives. That we don't wait for one day a year to celebrate that within and share that with others. That we would do that on a daily basis. And with the closing out of that series, we now lead into a new series. And this new series covers what is often considered one of Jesus' greatest teachings. The Sermon on the Mount. I say again, the Sermon on the Mount, because for 25 years, when I was going to church at good old St. William's back in Euclid, Ohio, all my teaching came from the priest. I didn't uh, get into the Word. I would just let the priest talk. And for 25 years, I thought there was baseball 2,000 years ago because I thought it was Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) It's Sermon on the Mount. It takes place on a mountain. And when I came through here and I looked at all the red ink, all of Jesus' words, covered in chapter 5, 6, and 7. It did. It led me to my title, 11 minutes. 11 minutes. 11 minutes. Sorry, folks. Those 11 minutes aren't the length of this message. But I'll tie it in at the end, and it does pertain to you each day. So as I looked upon all those red letters, so much that I could share, so much that I could teach, What would the Holy Spirit lead me to, to teach you? Well, let me me say that I didn't even get to the red letters. And as we start this this message, I want to build into when he starts off and starts this great teaching of his. So please, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Now, we know Matthew will cover the genealogy and the birth of Jesus. It'll show his baptism. Him taken out immediately into the wilderness where he battles with the enemy. 
and shoots him down with the word of God. And it is then that we're led up to this point. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Thank you, Father, for your word. There's many things that our Savior Jesus teaches us in this text. When you think about multitasking, social scientists, scientists have shown that actually we can't really multitask. You can only do one thing at a time and you need to have your focus. And you may be able to quickly transition to another that it seems as if you're multitasking. But here, I will show you how Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God, does, can, and will continue to multitask with perfection. At one time, he will show us how to be discipled and how to disciple others. At the end of Matthew, Jesus' last words are, go forth and make disciples of, of nations. You know, I really tune in to that. This is the last thing that he said to them in that text. It must be important. This is one of those, hey, this is important. This one matters. And I can only imagine that his disciples said, how do we do that? Thinking to themselves, he's gone now. How do we do that? And they went back back in their thoughts. And Jesus teaches us four things, many more than four things, but just four things that I want to share with you today when it comes to discipleship, to discipling others, and to be a disciple ourselves. You'll notice in in verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus shows that he started. It began. It started. He started his ministry, which was about discipling, which was about sharing his word and showing his ways and rubbing who he is off on us. And just like Jesus had a start, we too have a start. And that day was the day that we repented, that we acknowledged what Jesus did for us that we got down on our knees and said, I need you, Jesus, and what you did. I'm a sinner, and I need you in my life. Whether you realized it or not, your ministry has begun. And how you're to conduct that ministry is contained in the following words. 
Second thing that he's going to teach us. If you look at verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Wow. When you first read this, Jesus is walking along, according to this text, and says, Hey, follow me. They immediately lay down their nets, which was their way of life. The way that they were used to living was tied into their nets and was tied around fishing. But they immediately fouled them. See, that's the kind of power that Jesus has. That's the kind of power our God has that it only takes a word and he can make things happen. However, he's also very very well aware of the human condition. So many of our conditions. So I want to point something else which actually leads to my second point. And that is found in the book of Luke, chapter 5, starting with verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am sinful, O man, O Lord. Jesus understands the human condition. That condition that says, I got to see it to believe it. If I can't see it, proof is in the pudding. And the people out there that we come in contact with, we could speak the word of God all day and preach to them all day. But if our actions don't reflect what we're teaching, it's not going to have the same impact here. He had listened to Jesus, but when he saw what Jesus can do and, and saw his action, he immediately fell down. So the second step is we have to act. We have a start. We're saved. You have a mission. Start. Don't worry about you haven't been to college. Don't worry about, I don't know the Bible. I, I, I have no business. I'm not worthy. Yes, you are worthy because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have Jesus in you. You may not have been worthy, but now because of who dwells in you, you are worthy. So you go out there and you act. Not pretend. Not that kind of act. You're taking action. And your actions are going to be caught by those that you come in contact with. Leading me to my third, third point. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And seeing the multitudes, huh, Jesus saw them, and he saw his disciples just as he saw you through the multitudes. He saw your garbage. He saw your struggles. He saw the pain you were going through. Through all the people, he saw you. Because he's seeking you. And because he saw us, 
And because He's seeking us, and because we are Jesus in the world, we need to be on the lookout for others. We need to see. And we need to seek out. Seek out these other people that we can show what Jesus has done to us. He will provide that to you. Seek and you shall find. His words do not come back void. Ask and you will receive. People are out there. They're saved. They believe. But they don't know how to do this thing we call the Christian walk. They need us to help them. They need us to show them through our experience how Jesus has taken us along the path and how He's helped us along the way. They need you. And Jesus can do it on His own, but He uses His people to do His work. This leads me to my fourth and final point. Then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying... It's very interesting. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll be covering over the next five weeks. Correct, Thomas? Okay, next five weeks. This message, as I read it, though it is meant for everybody, it's specifically meant for disciples. His disciples went up and he began to teach. And guess what? You started. You're taking action. You're seeking and you see, and now it's time to teach. But wait a minute. I'm not a theologian. I don't know the insides and outs of the Bible. I'm not qualified to teach. Many of us have heard the saying that Christianity and our faith is better caught than taught. Well, I'm here to tell you that caught and taught are the same thing, except they're catching your actions. You're teaching them in the way that you're behaving, in the way that you're speaking, and how you're showing His love. Now, you're not going to do it perfectly unless He grants you the ability to do so. And that's when we go back to what I preached on last time. It's time for a do-over. And it's all right to acknowledge. I messed up. I don't know the answer to this, but I can help you out. So my challenge is, is that now that we're aware that, hey, you're starting, and guess what? When he says, go make disciples of all nations, it's, it's not a bargaining time. It's not like if you, if you feel like it, you know, I don't feel like doing this. Well, he, he didn't mention anything about that. It is an expectation of our Lord and Savior who jumped on the hand grenade of all hand grenades for you. And he's saying to you, go forth and make disciples. I want to share a story of how this works out. How you might see this play out in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, your mission field may not be over in Thailand. It may not be over in Africa. Your mission field, your time to seek out people that are needing discipleship, that are needing Jesus in their life, that might be in your workplace where people are seeing you every day. It might be here where we gather on Sunday and we recharge, we refit to go out into the combat zone. It could be in your family. Very important with your family. That you that you are a disciple to your children, to your spouse, that you sharpen one another as we go. As I was coming back for my mid-tour leave, I had been there for at least six months at the time when I was coming back. A lot of things were wit- you know, witnessed. Uh, you know, it was just a painful time, a challenging time, but it really drew me close to God. Something how He does that, you know, in the storms, in the trials, in the battles, it draws you close to Him. And on my way back, you stop at a place midway and you wait for a plane that's going to take you. And sometimes it might take you three or four days out of Kuwait to get you back to the mainland. 
And so you do a lot of working out, a lot of hanging out, and you make buddies with people. And I ran into a young man who was very much into working out, and he saw I was into working out. We started hanging out together, just talking, doing life, working out at the gym, going to the chow hall. We'd watch some movies. Nothing, nothing happening, no great goosebump-type scenarios, any of that. He was having struggles with his wife. As you can imagine, a lot of guys and a lot of gals that are deployed, they have issues with their marriage when they come back or even from the separation of being gone. It's very difficult on a family. And this guy was feeling the terror. He had a young child and a wife that wasn't feeling loved because he wasn't there. And unlike the world, I shared with him God's truth about marriage and how he wants their marriage to survive, and he's the key to doing that. I don't know that this guy's a survivor or not. It just came to me. I didn't think about it. It just happened. But I didn't share those words with him until one day we were on a bus. And on this bus, we were coming back from the chow hall. And I was kind of looking out at the sun as it was coming in. And it wasn't hot, but it was nice. And I felt God's peace. And I was so thankful that, hey, I'm, I'm heading home. And I've made it this far. And I closed my eyes. And I was thanking him. And I was praying for the people on that bus because I know a lot of them didn't know Jesus. I don't know what happened to those people. But what I do know is that buddy that was hanging out with me that had never known me said, hey, old man, hey, old man, you you napping? (laughs) No, brother, I ain't napping, I'm praying. What? I'm praying. That's it. He literally points at me. That's it. I knew there was something different about you. I want what you have. I started. I was acting. He will present people in your way that you will see, and now it was time to teach. Fine. Just as Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain and he took them away from the distractions of the world, I said, let's have coffee and let's talk. And I shared with how God worked in my life, how he brought me a new wife and the whole, all the rest of my story. And guess what, people? The world can argue about this Bible all they want and say, what about this and what about this? Share your story and they cannot deny that. Your story with God is your story with God. Don't water it down. Don't worry about the person liking you. Do it out of love with God's love. And just watch how he continues to work and add disciples to this. And it will be an amazing thing in your life. So as we go into the Sermon on the Mount, it reminds me of a commercial back from the 70s, maybe early 80s, but it was sometime. Picture, if you will, this scene. It's a kitchen in the 70s or 80s. Young husband and wife gathered around preparing that Sunday pasta dinner. Behind him is his mom and dad, the in-laws. And dad says, Hey, Tony, uh, what's going on here? Your wife's cooking sauce from a jar. Hey, dad, it's really good, trust me. Yeah, but does it got fresh tomatoes? Are they ripe in there? Dad, it's in there. Okay, how about uh, peppers and onions? Dad, it's in there. All that other good stuff I like in there? Dad, it's in there. They go to eat their spaghetti. Mmm, it's in there. It's in there. Hey, you know what? The Sermon on the Mount, it's in there. 
You want to know what your purpose is? It's in there. You want to know how to be happy? It's in there. You want to know how to treat your wife? It's in there. You want to know, hey, how do I forgive? It's in there. Hey, I really like Joe, but I don't like this guy. It's in there. So here's where I come to my 11 minutes. Here's where I come to my title, 11 minutes. As we continue this series, call this, as, call this a challenge. You don't have to do it. None of the things that we talk about up here am I saying you have to do. I highly encourage it for you, but this is the challenge. I should have probably changed the title of this after last night. It should have probably been about 12 and a half minutes. Okay, because what this 11 minutes signifies is how long it took me to read the Sermon on the Mount. But that was after I drank, drank my bulletproof coffee, so I was kind of flying through there. So when I did it yesterday, it was like, oh man, it's more like 12 and a half minutes. Still, less than 1% of the time God has given you in a day. I encourage you to take out those 11, 12 and a half, 15 minutes. Read it. Read it out loud so the word goes out in your home and it comes back in your ears. And then what I'd like you to do for me next week or the week after, come to me and say, you know what, since I've been doing that and coming together with the people that are speaking up here on this lesson on the Sermon on the Mount, it's speaking to me in ways that it never has. I'm seeing how it's jumping off the page and how it's still working in my life. And it's exciting. And it's going to draw you into his power, into his word of God. And I look forward as you share and say, hey, I've been reading this for a long time, but I never saw that. And I saw how it happened in my life. And you're going to see when Pastor Thomas speaks or Pastor Danny speaks or when I come up and follow up, you're going to say, wow, I've been reading just that and Brian just said what I've been reading. That's confirmation that God's talking to you. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't think you've been called, you are right now. Through me, his Holy Spirit saying, you're called. Help out your brothers and sisters. Disciple them as I disciple you. And believe it or not, even if they've only been saved for a month, they're going to teach you something. 